Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Women's Cast. I'm your host, Allison Mesger. I serve as the Central Women's Ministry Director at the Austin Stone, and I'm so glad you're joining us yet again for this four-episode mini-series that we're calling The Road to Refuge. This is our final episode before digging further into our refuge in Jesus at Women's Retreat on March 3rd through 5th. Today's conversation is on hustle. We're going to talk about Sabbath. And I'll just say from the get-go, if this was about expertise, if this was about having arrived, I am disqualified at the onset to have this conversation with you guys. But it's not. It's about God's grace and his provision for us in the things that we all struggle in. So hustle, what is it? It's our bent towards a way of living that's focused on producing and performing at a really fast pace. This is a real threat to our health and intimacy with Jesus that, like the other episodes before this one, requires an intentional defense. And so we're going to spend time talking about the spiritual discipline of Sabbath, which helps us actively resist the hustle and make a way for true rest in Jesus. Guys, there's no denying it. We are busy and often exhausted and experiencing burnout. At times, we're even frantic. I can think of few people that I interact with on a day-to-day basis that don't share in the sentiment that we have too much going on in our schedules, we're moving at too swift a pace. Our lives are often a blurred sprint, resistant to real rest. We're eagerly anticipating the next chance we'll have to flatline on the couch for a nap or binge some Netflix. Guys, it's so interesting to observe in Genesis 1 that God created male and female, commissioned them with purpose and responsibility on day six of creation, and then made the very next day a day of rest, the Sabbath. So before Adam and Eve could take any action towards doing, they were asked to just be. They were told to rest. In Genesis 1.31, we also see that, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God named them, he named Adam and Eve the pinnacle of creation before they had a chance to produce or perform. So what does all this mean as it relates to our tendency towards hustle and the spiritual discipline of Sabbath? We are to work from rest, not towards rest. Say that again, we're to work from rest, not towards it. In opposition to what we're prone to believe, we're always working from a place of value. What we produce is always a matter of stewardship and never a matter of worth. Because this is always true of us, we can rest, we can Sabbath. Even in our brokenness and sin, instead of being met with a do better or work for it, Jesus meets us with this response. This is from Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because of Jesus, we can continue to rest because we can trust that when he said it is finished, he meant it. Okay, I've just rattled off all the things that my heart needs to hear all the things that are true in scripture about the reality of my heart's posture towards work 
and the reality of what I'm called to and the better story that we have in resting with Jesus. I've said all those things. It doesn't mean it's easy to believe. It doesn't mean it's easy to be obedient in. I'm joined with two friends. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we're going to jump into the nitty-gritty reality of what it looks like to fight for belief in this and to actually put it into practice, even if in a messy way, to put it into practice in our lives. So Annette, Julie, so glad you guys are here today. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Hey, everyone. I'm Annette Harrelson. I am up at our North Congregation as the Equipping and Women's Ministry Director. And I am Julie Katulik. I serve as our Central Women's Ministry Program Coordinator. And I think it's fair to say we we had a quick exchange right before we turned on the record button that we all kind of rushed to get here. Yep. We yes. all hurried into this room a little bit frantic, relate. Hair might feel a little bit on fire. Heart still pounding. In more pounding. ways than one. In more yes. ways than one. <laughs> yes. So, some like physical pace, but also maybe what's going on in your heart and mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which mm-hmm. is good. Like this is, we're going to be speaking from the reality of this is our day-to-day. Real life. Yes. Real life. Mm-hmm. I yep. am definitely working towards the rest of Christmas break okay. in this moment. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather than the, you know, the thing that you just said. Yeah. Is supposed to be. Which is supposed oh, to yeah. be the case. We're mm-hmm. not working from rest, working toward rest. Yeah. 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 Well, before we jump in to some of what makes hustle easy for us, some of what makes rest hard, just reflect back on everything I just shared, this idea that God actually created rest as this thing that he commanded and he gifted to Adam and Eve even before they were to, to do the work that he had given them. This reality that hustle does come to us so naturally, especially in the, the culture that we swim in. What's your first reaction to those things? For, for me, it's that there are, I, I'm just convicted over and over again that there are so many ways that I want to try to be God. Hmm. Just hmm. like um, the original sin of Adam and Eve and the, you know, the idea of being able to, you know, be on it 24 7 is, is something that I think that I can do and I should do and I certainly want to do. And it is, it just, hits me between the eyes every time I come back to Genesis chapter one and realize not even God Hmm. did that. Mm -hmm. And so why in the world do I think that I can, should, that it would be fulfilling just all over again hits me between the eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. What about you, Julie? I think I, at the same time, feel conviction and comfort conviction Mm -hmm. of because I know that I sit in this chair and like we just addressed am coming in feeling like I hustled to get here but also at the same time to hear you say what is true in Jesus and the freedom that we have to rest feels like a big hug that I need Mm. yeah so that's good yeah it's easy to see the connection between hustle and striving and this busyness that we most of us pursue and our need for rest our need for sabbath I think it's also important in this conversation to make it clear that hustle isn't just the enemy of Sabbath. Hustle is actually the enemy of our faith. It's our enemy of taking refuge in Jesus, and Sabbath is the way to counteract that. So it's not just that we have to talk about how do I stop hustling and Sabbath because God has commanded me to do that. It's how do I use the gift and and be obedient to the command of resting 
because hustle in and of itself erodes my ability to take refuge in Jesus. So it kind of the whole conversation gets a little more complicated when we think about it through that lens. What do you think about that idea of of hustle actually being a threat to your faith and not just a threat to Sabbath itself? Yeah, I I totally identify with that because one of the things that I really had to kind of stop and meditate on to even get in the right frame of mind for why a Sabbath is good for me is kind of understanding the dynamics that were in play in Genesis 1. Not to get too technical, but I think a lot of people have heard that in Hebrew, um, the number seven is the number of completion. Mm. And so when you look at the seven days of creation, it's not a coincidence that it's seven. It's supposed to be the number of completeness. But then you look at how many days God actually worked in creation. It was only six of those days. And what that communicates to my heart, at least, is that God didn't even need the fullness of that amount of time to do all of his work. He was so powerful. He was so capable, so able that he only needed six days. And he, and he was able to rest. And what that communicates to my heart is that he is powerful and able and capable enough to handle any amount of work that I think I need to do, he is able to do it. I can trust him with the things that I have to lay down, to set down and not do in order to Sabbath. And that is something that I really need to internalize because I recognize that so often when I choose not to Sabbath, When I choose to be disobedient and not to Sabbath, it's because I'm not trusting him to complete the work that I think I need to do. Mm -hmm. So it absolutely is a battle of trust in my heart, trust in him and him alone, Mm -hmm. because I'm a doer and I think that I have to do it and I don't because he can. Mm -hmm. I think for me, kind of, if it reveals a lack of trust in you, it reveals pride in me. I think the way that hustle not only impacts Sabbath, but impacts my faith is that I'm just, my need for Jesus is just be completely lost on me. Mm. I'm completely functioning in my own strength at a pace that is, feels like it's completely out of step with him, five feet in front of him, um, hurried. And so my attention is scattered. I'm not aware of his presence and I'm just completely functioning within Julie and what she can do. Yeah, that's good. I think at the root of a lot of this is this idea of where does, you know, why do we try to work and perform and produce like we do, Mm -hmm. right? What are we trying to achieve from that? Certainly there are things that, you know, scrambling for dinner and that's because you're trying to feed your kids. That's a good thing. It's not, it's not always about more than that, but oftentimes it is about value that we are trying to kind of have ascribed to ourselves through Mm -hmm. that work. I know that when I kind of diagnose my heart about what is feeding the hustle, I can easily make excuses for a lot of the things, right? Because they're good. They're good things. They're necessary things. They're things that I would be disobedient to ignore, but the maybe frenzied pace with which I approach them or the, the lack of asking for help in them, the lack of, of prioritizing or just kind of taking that inventory is because that I, I am 
I'm creating value for myself. I'm speaking value of myself mm. from those things. And so again, it's that idea that for me, often I'm I'm working towards rest, that I will deserve rest mm. after I have completed these things. Mm. And and that's exactly the opposite of what he did in Genesis, which was to say, here's the work ahead of you, rest up for it. You know, and I, I very much fall into the camp of I'm working so that I can earn the rest. Mm-hmm. Because I have to be valuable first. Hmm. I think that's a really good point because I think I think each of us kind of approach this or have our own struggle. Because for me, it's not about trying to earn rest. It is, and maybe this is actually a pride thing like Julie's talked about. It's thinking that nobody can do it as well as I can. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I spend a day not doing, that's a day of things not getting done well. But it, it really does tie in again to trust because do I trust God with yep. the things that I'm not going to do? Yeah. And so that's that's where my struggle yeah. comes in. And I, I think it's really unique to a lot of different people and a, a lot of different wirings or whatever. So it's it's a complicated mess. It is. But it's I think what you're revealing is it's important for each of us to ask ourselves and to invite community in to help us understand man, why is this so hard for me? And those the answers are likely gonna be a little bit different. They're gonna be nuanced our situations and our circumstances and our personalities and that means the truth that I need to hold on to may look different than the truth that you really need to hold on to in order to pursue this they're all true things but I need to hear them in a different way than you might so right yeah so before we talk about some of the rhythms and practices that help us each pursue rest in Jesus pursue Sabbath um, I think it would be helpful for us to have kind of a basic understanding of really what we're even talking about and, and I know this is something that you've had the opportunity to think about kind of in detail in some different teaching environments. Would you help us out by giving us just a basic understanding of what we even mean when we talk about Sabbath? Yeah, so, I mean, really in the most literal sense, Sabbath is a purposeful, set-apart, 24-hour time period where you cease from work in order to focus on God. I mean, that's in its most basic form. Where those 24 hours might be in your week differs from person to person, what it means to cease from work and what it means to intentionally focus on God can be nuanced, but in a nutshell, that's what it is. So we're talking about a dedicated period of time on a regular, say like weekly basis where we are putting off some things and we're also putting on some things. Yeah. I think that's really helpful because it's it's easy for me to default to thinking that Sabbath is just the time where you don't do, mm-hmm. right? And and yet that misses the chance to think about it through the lens of what God would, would have me do or step into, both the relational aspect with him, but also the other things that help me rest. So yeah, that's really helpful. Okay, so I'll be honest. I also hear that definition. And while I'm encouraged by the kind of putting on, putting off, I start to feel a little bit anxious about there being a right way to do this and a specific amount of time and a certain way that it needs to look. Do you guys feel that way? How do you think about that in light of the definition that Annette just gave us, but also the realities of life? Yeah, I think that there's kind of there's a fence to live within. 
and Annette gave us that fence. But then kind of like the playground that you're building for rest within the fence looks different for every person. And while the goal of re- of Sabbath is to stop and rest, there is a productive doing that it, it's more than just like, oh, I reach rest, I reach Sabbath. And so I just am like, I spend my time just kind of like whatever comes my way. I have found that when I'm practicing Sabbath in the most fruitful way, I have prepared for Sabbath and I have planned for Sabbath. And I've kind of like created a day that is going to lead me, that's going to fill me up personally, that's going to lead me to delight and worship in Jesus. And that looks different for me than it does for Annette and for Allison. So those are just my initial thoughts. Yeah, that it takes a lot of intentionality Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what helps you both do the, the putting off and the putting on. Yeah, I would say when intentionality is lacking, Sabbath is actually a source of shame for me. Because I've reached the end of Sabbath and I feel like I've wasted it or I've I've spent it in ways that don't feel fruitful to me and didn't fill me up. Um, and so if I don't plan, <laughs> Sabbath actually makes me feel terrible. How do you work through for yourself what will make Sabbath fruitful? Like how do you start to define that for Julie? Mm-hmm. I think it has taken years to figure this out. I think I like initially looked to other people and what they did for Sabbath and would try to model the same thing and was just like, this, like, this doesn't work for me. Um, and so it was like learning to give myself grace and say, I have to figure out what stirs my affections towards Jesus specifically. And like, learn like being down to figure that out and so that like through that I learned that like cooking a meal so waking up and cooking breakfast is like a really sweet time of that's not in my bible but is a place that I really meet with the Lord and can very clearly talk to him yeah. I've have figured out I've had to like test of like I need a combination of alone time and time with people I need to start out alone I need to finish with people mm, that's really um, good and so Yeah, I have kind of like when I'm able to in a season when I can practice Sabbath well, kind of have a whole day plan. I totally feel you that this is a process, Julie, that I I feel like I've gone through a lot of trial and error because um, there are some things that I've learned along the way that have totally surprised me. One of the things, just a concrete example, is that I cannot do Bible study on my Sabbath. For me, it is... It's that sense of accomplishment that I get that I feel like I've just done something amazing mm. because I, I have gotten myself into a rhythm where it's really hard for me to, to, to spend deep time in the Bible without doing inductive Bible study. It's just like how I'm wired, mm-hmm. and I just start getting the sense of accomplishment that, that, that comes up in me that on a regular day in the week, I will work to battle, but I realize on my Sabbath day, I don't want to have that battle. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. And so what I do is mm-hmm. so often I will just listen to the Bible or I have this one paper copy of the Bible that doesn't have any um, verse markings. And so I'll just pick somewhere. I won't follow a reading plan. I'll just pick somewhere and I'll read just like I would pick up a novel and read. And I'll just read for the sheer enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. I just did this the other day and it was just... I saw something in there 
it was almost as if God was sitting beside me like a parent would when they're sharing their favorite book of literature with their child and just pointing out, see how this tied in with another plot point? Isn't this so cool? <laughs> I felt that delight. Mm. And I would not have felt that if I was trying to do a, an in-depth Bible study during my Sabbath. Mm. But for another person... That in-depth Bible study, that might be the only day of the week that they would get that, and that would be their delight. So you have to figure out what what needs to be added to you for a fill and what needs to be set aside because it might actually point you more to your own accomplishments and work rather than to Mm -hmm. delighting in the Lord. I love Mm -hmm. that so much. I mean, guys, if you didn't really pick up on what Annette just shared. She is one of the most prolific students of the Bible I've ever known. And yet to say that you intentionally step outside of and and don't engage through Bible in the same way on the Sabbath, I, I hope is really freeing for women to hear, right? Because it doesn't diminish your love for the word at all. It's saying that, you know, what's actually more important than my love of the word? It's actually my love of Jesus. Yeah. And so I, what I need in this time is to meet with him in a way without any other distraction. And you're right, for some women that mean may mean that that's their one day a week where they can really slow down and go in depth and take as much time as they want in the word. And for others, for you, it looks entirely different than yeah. that, which is so cool to think of putting a good thing aside. Like it, that is a good thing. Absolutely. And yet it's not what's best for you in a posture of rest and in a posture of relationship. And so it's good and right for you to set that aside. Yeah. I love that. So Annette, what do your Sabbath rhythms look like right now? So I I kind of tried to do the sundown to sundown method, 24-hour method, but I realized for me that just didn't work because I tried to do my Sabbath on Fridays, and a lot of times I would just have things that would interfere before sundown on a Thursday or um, during sundown on a Thursday. So I do mine when I, from the moment I wake up and t- on Friday morning to the moment I wake up on Saturday morning. I start out completely alone. I, I start out with uh, a good cup of espresso mm-hmm. um, with a little bit of coconut milk, and either it's either listening to uh, the Bible read over me, listening to a sermon. It's not visual. I just want to hear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be listening to a podcast if there's something that's piqued my interest during the week and I haven't had, had time to listen to it. It'll be that. But just something to where somebody else is speaking over me, where somebody else is putting thoughts, someone who's trusted or it's the word that I trust that's putting the thoughts into my head because I need to shut off the constant monologue that's going on in my brain. And this (laughs) is how I do it over a cup of coffee and something being read over me. Then I'll usually spend some time just reading on my own. Sometimes it'll be a spiritual book. Sometimes it'll be a good classic work of literature. And I'll have some soothing music in the background, usually instrumental because I, I don't want conflicting voices going on with that. And then probably about by 10 o'clock in the morning, I wake up pretty early. So I've had a good chunk of time. That's like five to six hours of time by about 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm ready to open up the door and see what the rest of the day holds. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I make sure that I have prepared beforehand and this is so key for me. It's, it's not, not just one, it's two things. Number one, I have to have a plan for what I'm going to eat for that lunch <laughs> because I have incredible decision fatigue. 
And so I don't need to make a decision you know, when I'm coming right out of that alone space. So I want to already have that done. So sometimes it's that I've already ordered HEB and I've got got a delivery that's waiting on my doorstep with a rotisserie chicken, you know, or sometimes it's that I've already made a breakfast casserole and it's, you know, ready, ready for me to go downstairs, whatever. And then the second thing is that I've already made sure that the space that I'm going to be in it early in the day is clutter-free. Because clutter is one of those things that's constantly bombarding my mind. So I have prepared a place. I might not clean my own house, my whole house. And most often I have not cleaned my whole house. (laughs) But I have one space that's clutter-free that's not going to distract me. And then for the rest of the day, it's usually pretty you know, open to whatever I I want to do. I allow myself some freedom because I'm a huge planner. And so allowing the rest of the day to be unplanned is, is something that I mm. give up. I mm. give up that plan until 5.30 when I know my husband is coming home from work and then 5.30 he gets me. Mm. And, I, and I finish my day with him. Okay, Annette, I've known you a long time. Mm. And I consider us close friends. Yes. So... <laughs> That sounds idyllic and completely like I don't know how to do that. (laughs) And I say that personally, but also thinking about not just the life stage I'm in, but many of the life stages I have been in Yeah, with young kids, with the chaos of sports on Saturday and things after school and, and dropping off on Friday or Saturday with, with just a variety of things that take that add clutter, that, that take away my ability to control um, a, a 24-hour period of time. Mm-hmm. So talk to me or talk to, you know, the young mom at North or the, the woman who travels for work and doesn't have that kind of consistency. Because when I hear that, it sounds absolutely amazing and also I could potentially feel really discouraged because I don't know how to carve out 24 hours like that yeah yeah well the first thing I will tell you is that I did not just describe 24 hours I described five to six hours and so I think I think one of the things that you have to do is make sure that you can plan for how many hours that you can get it might not be five or six but I think the majority of us can get two to three at the start of a Sabbath, and then really look at your week. I mean, most of us kind of feel like maybe we have to have a certain day of the week, but maybe your rhythms, if you you examine it, you can identify a certain time frame within your week. It doesn't have to start at sundown. It doesn't have to start at sunrise or whatever. It can start, you can start it whenever you want, but that's that's your two hours to kick it off. You know, where you actually set the tone. I actually read um, somebody talking about how when they start their Sabbath, they, they light a candle. Mm. And it's like this symbolic thing of I am setting this apart. Mm. And then they make sure that they, the next thing that they do is some kind of rhythm that actually prepares their mind, prepares their heart for what they're going to go into. So maybe it's a day where your child naps and then your husband can come home for the afternoon part of it and you can get a longer stretch. Or or maybe you have a girlfriend in your MC where you, you, you two can coordinate and say, hey, can we coordinate our, where we can trade off when we do this Sabbath thing and you take my kids this afternoon or this evening or whatever 
whatever. You know, something like that where you can be creative and think about how can I carve out a chunk of time where I can intentionally begin this? Because I think that if we will just look and try to be creative, we can, we can find ways. So this is something that God wants for us. I mean, this is something that he actually wants for our good. So I think he would delight in us just actually going to him and say, Father, will you give me wisdom about when this could happen in my week? Who I could ask? Who I can invite into this? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing about Sabbath. It forces you to a place of neediness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when you invite community in and say, I need your help. In order Mm -hmm. to make this happen, Mm -hmm. I need your help. Father, in order to make this happen, I need your help. And and then actually start doing the trial and error to try to make Mm -hmm. it work. I also think just as perspective from a different season of life as a 30-year-old single, another question to ask is where do I need to say no? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's not necessarily for me that I have these responsibilities that – like, I don't have to take a kid to practice or anything like that. It's more so, like, what what fun and potentially really good thing do I need to say no to to be able to prioritize Sabbath in my life? Yeah. The idea that just because you're available doesn't mean that you're really free or that it would be best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Okay, we've talked some about what some current rhythms look like right now. Talk to me about a season where pursuing Sabbath was difficult maybe even beyond just scheduling challenges and life circumstances. I know in my own life, there are certainly seasons where the reasons, even if I want to point to my calendar, the real reason that I'm not pursuing rest in Jesus, the real reason I'm not carving out this kind of time and presence with him intentionally is because something else is going on in my heart, right? There's a barrier there. There's there's beliefs that I have. There's sin that I'm walking in that's actually keeping me from him. And my calendar is just an excuse. So mm. I'd love to know if there have been seasons in your life where Sabbath was hard, where Sabbath was a difficult discipline for you beyond just the fact that it's, it's difficult to work in regardless. Yeah, I think a season that comes to mind, I think probably – a number of things were going on and I think when you're in a season like this it kind of just like can snowball but I was in a season of isolation overwhelmed with doubt around my faith mm. and just like really asking big questions of like is God real is he faithful are you going to show up are you like are you going to rebuild this thing I was right like in the wake of incredible loss and suffering and I was just in the thick of it and I was just asking really big questions and so to go Mm. and spend a day in the joy of the Lord and to worship and like rest in him just kind of felt like why would I do that because I don't even know like I'm having this kind of like faith crisis and so to for like if we are coming together and I am like entering in your presence, it feels like we're wrestling and I don't know how to rest in this space. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you needed in that season was permission to be with him, mm-hmm. even if it didn't feel restful mm-hmm. or joyful or necessarily comfortable. But that's really hard to do, especially when we think about Sabbath as being rest in and of itself is the goal, which mm-hmm. obviously it's it's part of that, but it's ultimately about yeah. 
that refuge in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if you're wrestling with him. (laughs) Yeah, I think it ultimately points back to like some hustle and performance of like, I felt like I couldn't Sabbath and it not look the like glamorized way that I think Mm. that in my head that it should have rather than just showing up with where I am with Jesus and resting in him in that place. It was like, I need to perform so that like, Sabbath looks the way that I think that it needs to. So outside of some of those circumstances, just changing, seasons changing, what did it look like to kind of press in there? Mm-hmm. I think it it looked a lot like trust, asking big questions, and ultimately being buoyed by people along the way. I think the thing that was so dangerous is that for a little bit I sat and there was just like nature of the circumstance that I like I didn't have people around me um and the second that I got in a space where people were around me then to speak truth into me into the things that I was wrestling with and to kind of like help me fight the narratives that I was hearing and ultimately choosing even though my feelings weren't necessarily aligned with like, God, I'm, I'm trusting what your word says and who you say that you are and to keep leaning in, in that way. And eventually to see God come through and say like, okay, I, I believe you are, I believe you are who you say you are. I can think of one that was fairly recent and it was at a time where I, I didn't feel like I was doing anything right. Mm. I felt like nothing I was doing was measuring up. And so I kept trying to work and work to make it better. And I I don't necessarily think it was an idea that I didn't deserve rest. It was just that I was so caught up in this feeling of um, I had to do it right. I had to do it right. And, And what I ended up realizing is that my lack of Sabbath just totally short-circuited God's means of grace into my life Mm. for him to pour into me that I don't I don't have to be enough because he is enough Um, I don't have to be perfect because he is my perfect peace my perfect rest and my perfect work and uh, it was just this self-perpetuating cycle you know of not allowing myself to experience his grace and not giving myself grace and I really do feel like it was the opposite of living out the truth that we love him because he first loves us, because my heart started to get further and further away from him the more that I was trying to strive to do everything better mm-hmm. and not just resting in him and his love and acceptance and favor of me. So that was a really, really hard season of my life. And I would love to say that I got out of it on my own, but actually somebody else snapped me out of it. Mm. What did that look like? Uh, somebody telling me that I was that I was snappish, that I was being really short with people. Mm. And I just realized that there was this total absence of love in my life. And it was because I hadn't let the love of Jesus pour into my life. Mm. And I had no love for myself, no love for others. And it was a big wake-up call. It sounds silly, but I can't help but think about the posture you have as a parent, you know, with a kid that you know just really needs to take a nap. (laughs) You know, we were like, baby, you are so hangry right now, and everything will be better if you just eat this fruit snack (laughs) and lay down for a few Mm -hmm. minutes. And it sounds like that was what your friend was able to kind of communicate to you. 100%. Like you're separated from the source. You need a snack and a nap. And by that, we mean like some extended time with Jesus. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful 
that you got to experience that. I think for me, so many times that I'm not in a consistent rhythm of Sabbath, y'all, this is just the epitome of immaturity. It's it's because I, I literally forget it's important. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I will, I will hustle, blaze through a couple of weeks and be like, yeah, I mean, may- maybe what you were describing, like something feels off. Mm-hmm. Um, the well doesn't feel very deep. Maybe I've reacted to someone in a way that in retrospect, I wish I hadn't or I, or I know either because the spirit brings it up or because they point out to me, you know, wasn't very Christ-like. But oftentimes it's it's a it's a wake up call that I'm like, I honestly didn't even I, I didn't even realize I missed it. Like I kind of blew past mm nap time essentially mm-hmm. and and kind of forgot that it was even a need because the the snowball effect of hustle is so big mm-hmm. that to unwork it I think requires a, a great amount of intentionality so as, as much as I kind of buck up against something feeling legalistic I know that I need some very specific kind of rules around my sabbath and accountability towards those because in in myself like I will just blow past them if there's mm-hmm. not something if it, if it's something I can just kind of figure out or feel out like as as it naturally like comes about as far as there, there being like a natural revealed need in my life like I won't necessarily pay attention to that mm-hmm. like I think there's a there's the reality of God you know saying that this was something that should be done regularly and that really speaks to me because without that kind of rule around it I'm not going to naturally like opt mm-hmm. into that. Mm. Like they're actually that that rule is a gift to me as a reminder that no you are human. You cannot go beyond the, like you have to eat this regularly. Y'all both know I'm awful at just stopping for lunch, right? But there's a part of that that's like I'm not living in the reality of my humanity in that mm-hmm. moment and mm-hmm. not stopping for sabbath is a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed some kind of like yellow red flags that bubble up for you when you have just been flying past it for so long that is like a that tells you I need rest yeah I mean I think outside of maybe some of the things Annette was talking about where someone gives you some some feedback that's helpful you know I've, I've joked before that my favorite feeling is overwhelmed <laughs> because it's not actually an emotion <laughs> it's just the compilation soundtrack of all of them but I think for me very specifically like not Knowing that I have a bunch of feelings and not being able to identify them is a reality of not taking them to Jesus, not sitting with them, with him in them. And that cannot happen for me. I'm just a slow processor of those things. So it cannot happen in in small, you know, chunks of time. There has to be actual time with him in a journal and, and as few distractions as possible. And mm-hmm. so I will find kind of the mental or emotional ball of yarn that's inside me like grow bigger and feel more tangled when I'm not taking that Mm. to him for him to help me unravel things Mm. so that's part of that feeling of overwhelmed because it lacks clarity and Jesus is is what like helps me know what those things are and what is sin and what is grace and what is his perspective versus my flesh like all of that gets very muddled if I don't have that extended time with him Mm -hmm. that's so good 
I think it can be said of all the spiritual disciplines that the most helpful way to grow is just take some initial steps, right? You just start doing the practice. We fumble through it. We trip over each other. We ask for help. But it can also be helpful at times to stop and take advantage of resources out there, right? We talked about this specifically with respect to prayer because the best way to learn how to pray is to start doing that. And at the same time, there are some really wonderful books on prayer. When you think about the Sabbath, I think about that as well. It's such a personal um, experience of sitting with Jesus, of putting off things, of putting on things. But when you think about resources that have helped shape your idea of it, I'd love for you to share those with the women that are listening. Um, I think probably the number one source that it's a book that kind of just like wrecked my life. I couldn't stop talking about it. Now, most people that I know have read it because I wouldn't stop talking about it is The Ruthless Elimination of Harry by John Mark Comer. It's on my yearly read list and probably top five books that I've ever read. And I think that just points to the deep need in my soul. And I think just like in the people's lives around me that I see that we are so hurried and we hustle all the time and I think we just have a deep longing for rest and we can't fully grasp it that's good anything for you Annette I I mean Julie definitely stole one of my answers because I I think that book was was incredibly helpful but another one that I think I really needed for myself was emotionally healthy spirituality Mm -hmm. because I needed to recognize how unhealthy I was Mm -hmm. in my emotional Mm -hmm. spiritual state I really did because I didn't understand. I didn't see it. Um, And that book helped open my eyes. But not only that, it it pointed me to some follow-up resources that the author has written. And right now I can't even pronounce his last name, so I'm going to skip that. um, (laughs) (laughs) Say it. (laughs) But he actually has some follow-up resources that can help you to implement healthy rhythms such as Sabbath. That's great. The one I'll throw in, because it's not actually on Sabbath, but is one that has shaped my understanding of how much I need it, is Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. There's something about even the pace of that book and how Mm -hmm. it talks about discipleship that was really helpful for me to read. Um, And that's on my my annual reread list. And there's Mm -hmm. not many on that reread list (laughs) for me. So... Okay, let's wrap up by talking about community. Um, we've hit on a little bit, and that you talked about, you know, that time in the day when your husband comes home. Julie, you talked about starting Sabbath alone, but then needing to end with people. What does Sabbath look like, not just in terms of inviting community in to participate with you, but also in the accountability of community towards Sabbath? Yeah, I mean, for me, it really is making sure that there are people in my life who know me who know me at my worst, who know me at my best, who know me at my core, you know, kind of a base level so that they can recognize when I'm, when I'm not healthy, because one of the big reasons will probably be because I'm not, I'm either not actually taking a Sabbath or I'm not Sabbathing well, Mm. you know, I might be going through the motions, but I'm not actually Sabbathing well. So it's having those people in, in my life who, who recognize that. I will say this, my, I don't have that within my 
community group right now because I don't have anybody in my community group who's practicing that. So I had to go looking for those people who mm-hmm. actually recognize the value of Sabbath. And I talk about Sabbath a lot. And so, I mean, just this Sunday, I was talking with somebody and I found uh, another woman that I've had great conversations with. And we sat down and, or not sat down, we stood as we were working and just started talking about Sabbath and what it looks like for her and what it looks like for me. And so I wish that I had that within my missional community. And I think maybe part of that is because I haven't really talked about it that much within within that setting. But it's looking for those other people that you can actually have those ongoing conversations with for sure. But I mean, the number one person in my life who'll know if I'm not Sabbathing well is my husband. <laughs> Just hands down. Yeah. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about for you, Julie? I think this is something that I think step one is starting the conversation because I don't really see anyone in my sphere practicing Sabbath in this way. Whether that's my LTG or my MC roommates, like I just like that's not something that I really see. And I I could someone could be and I just like am not aware of it. Um, But I just don't see that as a high priority in like the circles that I run in. And so I think especially starting that conversation um, and inviting in accountability of like, hey, this is something like in preparing for this podcast, I was like, I'm so convicted. And there was a time in my life where I, I saw the fruit of Sabbath and I haven't in this season in Austin. And so it's like, I feel convicted of like, I need to fight for, for this. And so like, I think I need to essentially ask for accountability in this area. And then I don't know, just like what I, I've caught glimpses of what Sabbath could look like in community. I think this is so interesting for a single person because most people or a lot of people Sabbath within their family unit if it's with people. And so to ask the question, what does that look like to like bring people in? And for me, that looks like, oh, I just like towards the end of the day, once I've had my alone time at the front and have kind of like done that piece and then I need people, that just kind of looks like scheduling a social thing that is a people feel for me I think it would be really cool to get a group of people together like legitimately like we want to sabbath together Mm, yeah and I twice I've gotten like the smallest glimpse and I'm not saying that this is the like the answer to it but we I got a pizza oven for my 30th birthday and there's been a couple Sundays since then that like I have Sabbath because that's typically the day that I try to Sabbath and the day has ended with cooking pizzas with my roommates and it has truly been like the most filling thing. Yeah. So I was like, if I can make something like that consistent, mm-hmm. but that requires singles and marrieds to both have that need and agree to be in, in it together and to fight for Sabbath together. So, yeah, I mean, something that we can all, I think that's a beautiful picture, right? And, but not just a picture, like something you've experienced. And yeah. so to take that and be like, Lord, what would you have me do with this? How do I invite other people into that mm-hmm. vision and opportunity? It was really cool. Yeah. Even if it's just one person in your life, I mean, e- even if they're not able to Sabbath with you, if you have just one person in your life who will weekly say, how was your Sabbath this week? I mean, just that one level of, you know, not just accountability. Sometimes I think that we misuse that word, but care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Somebody who cares yeah. that you Sabbathed yeah. mm-hmm. and will want to know and want an honest answer. Yeah. 
and an answer beyond just it's a little bit of the, the Bible reading question of like it's not just did you do it mm-hmm. right, but it's like how did how did the Lord meet you in that? How yeah. did you bring your whole self to Him in that? What did that experience? Like, how did it bolster your faith, or yeah. where are you struggling? Yeah, yeah, those are those are good care questions. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, guys, I feel really challenged. I'll be honest. I feel really challenged. I feel really agreed, encouraged. <laughs> Julie agrees. Annette <laughs> agrees. Yeah. Um, this is something that I want for for me for for you guys for the women listening. I think it would be crazy to not participate in this conversation or to be listening to it and not feel a combination of encouragement and conviction or challenge because what we're talking about is something that we all deeply know on some level that we need and yet there's a lot of things working against us our flesh our schedules the culture around us which to be frank we didn't talk about a whole lot but we are swimming in a world that says do more, be more, be better, be busier. Your worth is in the things that you show up to and the things that you do and the things that you produce. So there's a lot working against us. But the reality is whether you right now are feeling primarily encouraged or primarily discouraged, I think the the encouragement can and should come from, from God's grace. If this is something that you feel like you have a healthy rhythm in, then praise God for that. Um, what a grace that he has given you. And if it's an area where you feel like you struggle or even are disobedient at times to say, I mean, that is not a reason to to keep you from taking baby steps. He's not looking for your performance even in Sabbath or in rest before receiving you. Right. Like we don't have to get ourselves together before saying I'm going to I'm going to take a step of inviting someone in to, to hold me accountable. And that, like you said, to care. And then I'm going to start looking for I'm going to do an inventory of my of my days and my week to figure out where can I put off some things to put on some of Jesus, right, to spend yeah. time with him. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're like anyone who I've talked about who's trying to incorporate Sabbath, it is it will be one step forward, two steps back mm-hmm. so many times yeah. along the way. It's That's a process. Right. It's a process. But you, yeah. you still continue to look for that step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and good. rest in his grace. And rest in his grace. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, Julie, Annette, thank you so much for being honest about both the tips and tricks and the struggles and realities of pursuing Sabbath. I hope for the women listening, the same thing that I hope for myself, which is that the provision we have been given in the word of God and in prayer and in confession and repentance and in Sabbath, that all of those things together give us ways to pursue Jesus that ultimately they all add up to opportunities we have to to sit with him, to be known by him, to be comforted by him, to ultimately find our refuge in him. They're the only things we have at our disposal to fight lies, to fight apathy, to fight distraction, to fight hustle. These things that are, are threatening our faith or threatening our ability to sit with Jesus and find our refuge in him. But God, our God is a God of grace. So he's given us these things. He's given us each other. He's given us community. And he's given us his spirit, right, to, to help us take these steps of, of obedience and faith. Our prayer is that this has been an encouragement to you that will help foster conversation between you and friends. And we would love nothing more than to continue the conversation with you with a really specific focus on exactly how Jesus is our refuge. So we would love for you to join us for retreat March 3rd through 5th. We love you and we hope to see you there. 